Let us now turn to God's holy word for our instruction. We turn to the Psalm 34. The Psalm 34, the Psalm of David when he changed his behavior before Abimelech, who drove him away, and he departed. Psalm 34. I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. My soul shall make her boast in the Lord. The humble shall hear thereof and be glad. O magnify the Lord with me and let us exalt his name together. I sought the Lord and he heard me and delivered me from all my fears. They looked unto him and were lightened and their faces were not ashamed. This poor man cried, and the Lord heard him, and saved him out of all his troubles. The angel of the Lord encampeth round about them that fear him, and delivereth them. O taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man that trusteth in him. O fear the Lord, ye his saints, for there is no want to them that fear him. The young lions do lack and suffer hunger, but they that seek the Lord shall not want any good thing. Come, ye children, hearken unto me. I will teach you the fear of the Lord. What man is he that desireth life and loveth many days, that he may see good? Keep thy tongue from evil, and thy lips from speaking guile. Depart from evil and do good. Seek peace and pursue it. The eyes of the Lord are upon the righteous, and his ears are open unto their cry. The face of the Lord is against them that do evil, to cut off remembrance of them from the earth. The righteous cry, and the Lord heareth and delivereth them out of all their troubles. The Lord is nigh unto them that are of a broken heart, and saveth such as be of a contrite spirit. Many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivereth him out of them all. He keepeth all his bones, not one of them is broken. Evil shall slay the wicked, and they that hate the righteous shall be desolate. The Lord redeemeth the soul of his servants, and none of them that trust in him shall be desolate. Amen. So ends the reading of that glorious psalm, the word of Almighty God. And may the Lord be pleased to add his own blessing to that public reading of his most holy, infallible, inerrant, and sacred word. May the Lord help us to minister that word to the glory of his name and to the good of our needful and never-dying souls. Well, dear friends, I turn your prayerful attention once again to the psalm that I read to you in your hearing, the Psalm 34, and I take for my text the verse 18, Psalm 34, and the verse 18, The Lord is nigh unto them that are of a broken heart, and save as such as be of a contrite spirit. 
Psalm 34 and the verse 18, the Lord helping me this evening as I take this for my text. Here we have sent before us the wonderful and glorious theme of the Lord, the Savior of the broken heart. This is the theme really of this psalm, the broken heart and the contrite spirit. Now certainly this psalm is a psalm for the believer. David is a Christian, he's a believer here. And, you know, for the life, the whole life of a Christian, he has a broken heart. He doesn't live the way he or she ought to live, and that grieves them. David was a man, certainly, who knew much brokenness in his heart over his own sin. It was the same for the Apostle Paul. He cried, O wretched man that I am, who shall deliver me from the body of of this death. Now, this particularly, these words here in the verse 18 are words of comfort for the person who is already a Christian, one who has an ongoing brokenness over his or her sin. That is the primary essence of this verse. But equally, it can be applied to one who is near the kingdom by God's grace and they're being drawn near to Christ, perhaps for the first time. You have a broken heart. You're troubled over your sin. He is the savior of the brokenhearted. But also, I want you to think about this. These words here are also, they are they're not only comforting words to the believer and the one that is drawing near to Christ, but they are words, challenging words, and I think words that will make some people feel very uncomfortable. The Lord is nigh unto them that have a broken heart and save as such as be of a contrite spirit. You could take the antithesis of that or the opposite. The Lord is not nigh to those who do not have this broken heart and a contrite spirit. He is very far off from the proud. He sees them from afar off. That is certainly true. Let me say he is only, he is the Saviour only of the brokenhearted. He does not save the proud. Of course, a man is made to be humble, but it ought to remind the proud here that God is very, as it were, he's not near you. Of course, God is ubiquitous. He's everywhere. There's no place that God cannot be. But this does not have to do with distance at all. Not distance, that's not the issue. Now let's just think about the context for a moment of this psalm itself and try and put some things in order. Well, we're told, you notice in the beginning of this psalm, this psalm is given at a time when David, he feigned his identity. The psalm of David, when he changed his behavior before Abimelech, who drove him away and he departed. David was in great fear of his life at this particular time. He feared death. Saul, the king, David was not king at this time, but David went to great extremes to disguise himself. He went to protect his life. He pretended to be insane before Abimelech. He feigned, as I say, his identity. He feigned insanity, and perhaps being a man of God later, this may have troubled him greatly. This may have brought him great unrest 
We know we are people who walk in the light and we want to honor the Lord. And perhaps this is the case. But we know that David had many sorrows in his life. It wasn't just times when he felt that he let the Lord down. He has great sorrows in his life. And as you look at the verse 18 here, of course the Holy Spirit is giving these words. These are are not simply David's words. We've got to realize that. This is all given by inspiration of God, and these words come as a great encouragement to David when he is of a broken heart, when he is troubled over his sin, when he is troubled over his actions and his behavior and so on. The Lord is nigh unto them that are of a broken heart and saveth such as be of a contrite spirit. And so David, no doubt, knew this by experience. The Lord is near. He's near to his people. Those who truly have a a broken heart. But again, as I want to emphasize tonight, as we bring a gospel message, and I think we can apply this, there is a sense of the negativity of this verse in the right sense. God is very far from the proud. He sees them afar off. And we can apply this, we can bring this to a gospel application. Those who are far off and I say that this verse is particularly discomforting and challenging to the unbeliever. The Lord is nigh unto them that are of a broken heart, but not so to those who are proud. Now, the word nigh, maybe English is not your first language, and I know there are a few people here, perhaps English is not your language, your first language, but the word nigh there simply is an old-fashioned word that means near. That's what it means. The Lord is near to those who have a broken heart and save as such as of a contrite spirit. If you just turn for a moment to there, the Psalm 138 and the verse 6, and this is a, uh, a reminder to us, though the Lord be high, he is high in the heavens. He is the great high and lofty one. We read there in the Psalm 138 and the verse 6, though the Lord be high, yet hath he respect unto the lowly. That's the humble. But the proud he knoweth afar off. Again, this is nothing to do with God's omniscience. He said of his people Israel, Only thee have I known thee of all the people in all the earth. That does not mean God doesn't know. He knows the hearts. He knows everything. There's nothing hid from the eyes of him with whom we have to do. This has nothing to do with distance. This has nothing to do with God's omniscience. But this has to do in terms of relationship. In the case of the impenitent sinner, the Lord is not near, but he is near to the brokenhearted. Now, there are three things I want to think about when we come to this verse. I'm not usually a three-pointer preacher, if you like, but I do have three points, or three things I want us to think on here this evening. Firstly, the Lord. Then I want us to think about this nearness. And then I want us to think what it means to be broken-hearted. Many people speak about broken-heartedness, but what, what is the broken-heartedness that is set before us? Well, firstly, let us think of the Lord. There is no greater being, friends, than the Lord, is there? He is the I Am, the one who has no beginning. And who has no end. He who is from everlasting to everlasting. The eternal God. Who is the refuge of his people. The Lord creator of heavens 
and the earth, the Lord. And this is an amazing thing, that the creator of the universe, and by his son Jesus Christ has he made all things. If you turn to Isaiah 57 verse 15, notice there with me in the Old Testament, here is the Lord set before us in his greatness, in his majesty, in his glory. And we see how he views sinners of a broken heart and a contrite spirit. Isaiah 57, 15, For thus saith the high and lofty one that inhabiteth eternity. Think of that for a moment. God is described as the high and the lofty one who inhabits eternity. It's a fitting place. Why? Because God is eternal. He has no beginning. He has no end. He is the high and the lofty one who has made all things, inhabiting eternity. And notice, and whose name is holy. This is an amazing thing, isn't it, to think that the holy one, God who is sublimely holy, pure. We read in Isaiah, don't we, when Isaiah saw the Lord in the temple, he said, holy, holy, holy. It's not that God is three times holy, but there is Holy Father, Holy Son, Holy Spirit. You cannot get any more holy than holy, friends. And He is altogether holy. His name is holy. And He says, I dwell in the high and holy place. He dwells in unapproachable light. With Him also that is of a contrite and humble spirit. Hear the word contrite. In the Hebrew, simply means to be crushed to the dust. That's what it means. That's where we get the word contrition from. If somebody is contrite, they are broken. They crushed, as it were, in spirit. I dwell in the high and holy place with him also that is of a contrite and humble spirit to revive the spirit of the humble and to revive the heart of the contrite ones. Here you see, set forth again, God. He condescends, although he is high and holy, to dwell with sinners. Isn't that amazing? And when he converts his people, when he saves them, he humbles them and he comes and he dwells in their hearts. It's a wonderful thing to have God, but what a terrible thing it is to grieve him when we sing and uh, we sometimes sing of the sin that drives him from our breast it's not that the Holy Spirit does not depart from us but there's a sense in which we do not experience his nearness as we once did yes we're still his child but there are times when we don't know his favor when we have grieved him in our hearts, like David, and then we feel crushed and we seek the God again. And it's a wonderful thing that God does not forsake his children. But by nature, we are not this way. By nature, we're proud, we're haughty, we come into this world. Remember when Adam and Eve sinned, they ran away from God. And men and women and children have done that Ever since our first parents, we come into this world running away, running away, fleeing from God. 
denying him, not giving him the glory. Now think of this word here, secondly, near. We're going to think more in the sermon about the brokenness of heart, but hear this word nigh. The word is, the Lord is nigh unto them, near to them that have a broken heart. Again, I want to emphasize that God is omnipresent. Some people think, you know, God cannot see them. Well, God doesn't see me. I remember not far from here, I used to work at the paper mill back in those days, and I remember working with some Muslim men, and we'd finished the shifts, and uh, of course we were making paper and parcels of paper, and I'd see some of them walking out with parcels of paper, stealing from the company. And these men professed to be devout Muslims, devout men, and well, they would have their prayer during work time. Well, of course, you've got to do that these days. You've got to give them their time. If you're the government, you've got to issue them their time, and if they want to pray, let them pray. And so, after shift, many a times, after the end of a long night, some of them would be walking out with parcels of paper in their bags, stealing them. And I remember on a number of occasions asking, but what about your God? Doesn't he see? They say, well, Allah doesn't see everything. And some of them almost saying this with a little bit of a smile on their face. Well, my friends, God sees everything. There's nothing hidden from God. God who made the universe, people think God cannot see. You know, some people have this idea that God has made the universe and he's like taken a clock and he's wound it and he's just let it go and God has abandoned us. Well, where is God, they say. We can't see him. He's left us alone. He's left to see what is going to become of this world. Well, our God is in the heavens. He has made all things. He knows all things. You cannot hide from God. People actually believe they they can hide from God. God cannot see what's in my rucksack. God cannot see what I do in the closet. God cannot see what I do here or there, but nothing is hidden from God. We are told in the Word of God, All things are naked and opened unto the eyes of him with whom we have to do. You cannot hide anything. There's no escaping from God. Now or ever. You will not escape him. He knows your thoughts. Yes, he even knows your thoughts, even before you think. David said that in the Psalm 139. He said, search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts and see if there be any wicked way within me and lead me in the way everlasting. And at the beginning of the psalm, he says, thou hast searched me and thou hast known me and thou hast tried me. Thou knowest my thoughts are far off. Before I even think them, God knows them. Isn't that a thought in itself? It sends shudders down our spine. All those months that he kept back his sin from the Lord and confessing it. After he sinned that sin with Bathsheba and then had her husband killed, the Lord knew what had happened and so he sent Nathan the prophet. And Nathan the prophet said, Thou art the man. How did he know? Well, because God sent him. God knows all things. There was nothing hidden. But you see, here's the wonderful thing. 
the Lord is nigh unto them that have a broken heart and a contrite spirit. Psalm 138, verse 6, Though the Lord be high, yet he hath respect unto the lowly, the humble, poor. They repent and they believe. But it then says, But the proud he knoweth afar off. There is an enmity, there is a distance. There is six things we read that God hates, yea, seven. And one is a proud heart and a lying tongue. And he that says he has no sin deceives himself and makes God to be a liar. You only cheat yourself. But he is a God that is near to them that have a broken heart and a contrite spirit. In Nehemiah 9.17 we read, But thou art a God ready to pardon, gracious and merciful, slow to anger, and of great kindness. That is the Lord. How merciful He is. How gracious He is. Now this evening I want to think more about the broken heart. We've considered the Lord, the high, the lofty one, He who dwells in unapproachable light. He who is holy, whose eyes cannot behold iniquity. He who cannot cannot tolerate sin. But had to deal with the sin of his people there on the cross at Calvary. In the person of Jesus Christ. And that he is near to them that have a broken heart and a contrite spirit. Now let's think of this broken heart. What does it really mean? Well, many people are broken-hearted, aren't they, in this world? There are people constantly being broken-hearted over relationships. A girl and a boy, a young couple, they split up, and uh, it's no more, and they feel pain and they feel broken-hearted. That's broken-heartedness, but that's not the broken-heartedness here we're speaking about. Not about broken relationships and disappointments in life. Let me say, first of all, this broken-heartedness, it means, we could say this rightly, as you look at the world, you're first of all, you're, you're broken-hearted over the world. The world has been one great disappointment for you. And... I think this is one of the reasons why so many young people are depressed and quite ill. Because the media today, it presents the world as something wonderful, doesn't it? They say the world is your oyster, everything is wonderful, they say. And then soon the young person, he or she grows up and they they see that this has all been false. The world is not really that way. It's been characterized that way. And people and friends have been a disappointment. Yes, it begins there. The world is not a wonderful place. People see things on television. They see the glamorous lives of perhaps movie stars and pop stars. And they see people having money. But yes, then very soon, those celebrities, they found out to be bad people. These so-called heroes. And well, they see the world broken-hearted over the world. It's, it's not a good place. But it, it goes further than that. This broken-heartedness, it comes to yourself. 
You know, you've made promises to yourself and you've not kept them. And you promised to do this, you've resolved to do that, and you've discovered actually you're not a good person after all. You're a bad person. And you're brokenhearted over that, over who you are. You had high expectations of yourself. And you've let yourself down. And even more than that, you started to come along to church and you've begun to be brokenhearted over your sin. You've resolved to try to be a good person. And you've realized that, you, that you're not a good person at all. It's like the publican there in the, the temple. Remember what he was doing. What was he doing? He was smiting his breast. It says he smote his breast saying, God be merciful to me. Why? Because he was hurting in there. In the heart, he was broken in heart. He could not so much as lift up his eyes to heaven. He had a broken heart. He was not broken over material loss, family loss, but broken about the way that he's lived before God. He's not honored God. Broken about the person he is. Broken inside. You know, there's some people that say, you know, well, I I quite like what you said there about the world, preacher. Yes, I see the world is a very, it's a bad place. It's not a good place. I, I like that. I agree with what you say. The world is definitely a bad place. And I like to come to church because it, it does have morals and it does have standards. And you Christians, you have those standards. You have those morals. But I don't quite like this idea that I'm a bad person. I don't like that at all. In fact, I think I'm quite a good person. And there are many people like that. They'll be broken-hearted over the world, but they'll not look inside and not look at their own hearts. And there's no grief, there's no inner grief, there's no lamentation. When David confessed his sin, he called out his sin. I've sinned against the Lord, against thee and thee only. Have I done this wicked thing? Ultimately, his sin of adultery, murder, was sin against God. And I think some Christians don't get it. That the sins you commit in life are not so much sins against other people, but ultimately against God. You need to understand that. Grasp that. When you sin, it is sin against God. And that's true sin. You know, we can all talk about our so-called faults. Infractions. They're more than that. They sin against God. And it's grotesque. And that's when the heart begins to truly be broken. And we feel that there's nothing that can put us together again. We're broken inside. We've failed God miserably. We feel such wretches. And then many people don't, don't view themselves that way. So they look at themselves by their own standards. So many churches like that, preaching a morality of man, but not God's standards. 
But this is what pleases God. We're reminded that the sacrifices of God are of a broken heart and a contrite spirit. O God, thou wilt not despise such. This is what God wants. Brokenness. Here are the poor in spirit. He healeth the broken in heart. This is the wonderful thing. And the Lord, this is why he's near. He is ready to heal the brokenhearted. Those who feel and know that they have sinned against him, he bindeth up their wounds. This is a good thing when we begin to know and we begin to experience our own brokenness. Brokenness over sin. What does the Lord do? Well, he smites the heart and then he binds up. But think of the words as the Lord Jesus went into the, the temple that day and he picked up the scroll of Isaiah. And he began to read and he began to declare the word of God. And he said, the spirit of the Lord is upon me because he hath anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He hath sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to preach deliverance to the captives and recovering of the sight to the blind, to set at liberty them that are bruised to preach the acceptable year of the Lord. Well, the Lord is near to the brokenhearted. You see, then you're ready to hear the gospel. You're not ready until, friends, you, you see yourself to be absolutely, as I was saying this morning, you're not ready to sue for God's mercy until you see yourself to be vile, until you see yourself to be dirty and filthy, before God. This is why they, they threw ash upon themselves. They repented in sackcloth and ash because they were essentially saying, this is what I am, I am but dust. Lord, if I could shrivel into the ground right now, I could, but I know if I took my life, it would be murder. That's the disposition of the sinner. He's broken inside, he doesn't know what to do. But friends, let me tell you, let me give you the good news. The good news is this, is that the Lord is near to such. And he does not despise such. Yes, the Lord is merciful. Think of that little parable that Nathan gave to David. It was a cutting little parable. It was very subtle, wasn't it? It was about that little ewe lamb. Two men, one rich man and a poor man. Rich man, he had a friend. And he took the other man's ewe lamb, slew it. That little ewe lamb was looked after by the children in the home and it was raised up as one of their own, like a child. And the man killed it. But essentially, Nathan said, this is what you've done. You've taken that which is another man's possession, which God had given, and you've taken it for yourself, and you've killed the man. But you know what? The Lord was near David when he came with a broken heart. I thank the Lord he doesn't blast us to oblivion. When we're convicted of our sin. And he doesn't strike us to the ground instantly, but he is gracious. He is the God that delighteth in mercy. Yes. And in every way, God breaks the hearts of sinners. Man cannot be broken in of himself. His heart 
His heart is like a diamond. And think of the, the, an even greater crime that was committed. When they crucified the Lord of glory, remember Peter was there on the day of Pentecost preaching in Acts 2 and the verse 37. And we read this now when they heard this, that they had crucified Christ. They were pricked in their heart and said unto Peter and to the rest of the apostles, men and brethren, what shall we do? We don't know what to do. You can imagine it. This is the worst of crimes ever committed. The high and the lofty one, the maker of heaven and earth, by Jesus Christ who made the worlds, God sent his Son. They were pricked in the heart. And Peter said unto them, Repent. That's what God desires. What is repentance? It's turning away. It's being broken in heart. It's confessing and seeking God. Oh, the word then comes, doesn't it? And it convicts in the heart. And the sinner cries, Oh, wretched man that I am. That's all I am. But he has the promise. God is near. God is near. He's not a far off. What a gracious God. I thank the Lord he's not capricious like these other gods or so-called gods. Like Allah. The God of the Mohammedans. Our God is gracious, merciful. But he sees the proud afar off. The man that says, I have no sin. I'm clean. I'm acceptable before God. The high and the lofty one who made these things is nigh unto them of a broken heart and a contrite spirit. Are you broken hearted, friends? I'm not talking about over the world. It doesn't take much to be broken hearted over this world today, does it? You look at it, it's a mess. It's a mess because of man's sin. Dare we ever compare ourselves with the world? What's the point? What is the world? Don't compare yourself with the world. God's standards are holiness, righteousness. When he looks down, he sees none are righteous. No, not one. And we're told he sees that none seeketh him. And there's no fear of God before their eyes. No. But he looks to this one of a broken heart. You look at your life. You say, I'm just amazed God has spared me to this day to hear this gospel message. I'm just amazed. He's not sent me to hell. He's not cast me away. I'm amazed at God's mercy in sparing me a worm. A vile creature. I am staggered. And I look at my own heart, I see what an insolent being I've been all my life. How unthankful, how unholy I've been. And how I've even despised the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. 
Maybe you've even taken his name in vain. Despise the riches of his grace. Maybe you've been such a one and now here you stand. And you think, will God have anything to do with me? Well, my text says, God is nigh unto them that have a broken heart and a contrite spirit. Now, we're not just saying you feel your sin. But I'm saying to the degree, to the degree that you you reject yourself. You see, this is the first thing we've got to do. You, you, you don't just reject the world, but you reject yourself. You reject all confidence in yourself, and you see that there's no good in you, and that you need God's mercy, and you need God's grace. And the Bible tells you that mercy and grace is found in His dear Son. What was the cry of the publican? God, be merciful to me. That's all you can plead, friends. You cannot plead anything else. Don't plead, I've come to church X amount of times, I've done this, I've done that. Plead God's mercy, because that's all there is. And basically it's down to him to show mercy. And you remember this as you go to him. God is near to them but of a broken heart and a contrite spirit but if you go to him with any sense of pride and self-worth he is far from you far and you'll never know an answer to your cry for help and mercy and you will never know the saviour but he looks on this one Has God come to you tonight through his word and spoken to you? I pray that he might be merciful and do so. The Lord said that we must repent or perish. Seek him now, friend. God is nigh unto them that have a broken heart and a contrite spirit. Such will he not despise. David knew this. He knew the mercy. But you know, even as we go on as Christians, as I said at the outset of the sermon, this is not something we feel one day and then we never feel it again for the rest of our lives. Maybe you're a child of God, you're struggling in sin and in difficulty. Well, the Lord is nigh unto them but of a broken heart. And a contrite spirit. You see, the broken heart says, look, I don't want to go back to my sin. And I am going to resolve with all the grace that God gives me to turn from my sin. He is gracious. He's near. He's a God at hand, Christian, ready to help you in your struggles and your trials. He's a God at hand. Pray to him. Seek him. Seek the Spirit's help and grace and you will find it. I thank the Lord he's always near to broken-hearted people. This is a broken world, but it's not broken-hearted. It's not broken over its sin. 
one day, soon, this world will pass away. And we know, blessed are those who are poor in spirit. Blessed are the meek. Blessed are those who mourn. Blessed are those that hunger and thirst after righteousness. All of this is found in Christ. He binds up the wounds. He heals and he restores. And he gives to all his people the righteousness of his dear son. That they may stand faultless before God's throne soon. In glory. And we'll cast our crowns before him. And give him everlasting thanks and praise. We thank the Lord he is merciful. The high, the lofty one. Who inhabits eternity. And you know what? The best of all. Is we shall be in eternity with him. And we shall be like him. For we shall see him as he is. And the scripture says, And every man that hath this hope purifieth himself, even as he is pure. And you see, when he saves you, as we read in the text here, notice, The Lord is nigh unto them that are of a broken heart, and saveth such that be of a contrite spirit. You see, he saves such. He not only saves the Christian from the troubles of this life, but he saves that person when that brokenness begins in the heart. And you know, whom God saves, is saved for time and for eternity. Isn't that a wonderful thing? And nothing will ever pluck us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus. God gave us his Son for crimes which we have done. And the promises here, he will save. And he will never lose us. And he will never forsake us. Seek him, friend. If you don't have a broken heart, pray that God will break your hard heart. That you might praise him and seek him for mercy. Amen.